Welcome to the Let's Ditch Misophonia podcast. I'm your host, Brooklyn, and I suffered from misophonia for more than 20 years before finally eliminating it through unconscious reprogramming using modalities like neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, rapid resolution therapy, and more. The goal of this podcast is sharing how unconscious reprogramming can help you lessen trigger sounds, alleviate suffering, and create more joy in your life. You deserve to do the things you love with the people you love uninterrupted. Hey, 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 welcome to the official first episode of the Let's Ditch Misophonia podcast. I am so excited to be starting this podcast It's something that I've been thinking about doing for a while and I've finally gotten around to it and I'm so excited. The good news too is that I was outlining different episode ideas for the podcast and I have like 30 different episodes so know that these will be coming out regularly and you can expect some really good stuff. And I'm really excited to have this platform because I share a lot of information and resources on my Instagram, on social media, but I can go a lot deeper in these podcast episodes and that's something that I'm really excited about. I also think this podcast is a little bit different than some of the other ones out there that focus on misophonia, not necessarily in a good or bad way, just a different perspective. The podcasts that are out there now, a lot of them talk about coping mechanisms or kind of sharing what it's like to live with misophonia. And the goal of this podcast is really just focusing on how can you rewire the way that your brain processes trigger sounds? How can we rewire misophonia at the source? And for those of you who know me, you know I might have, or you might know that I have a group coaching program called Rewire Misophonia at the Source, and it's all about using unconscious reprogramming to get to the root of this thing, rip it out and create transformation from the inside out. So I'm super excited to have the podcast where I can elaborate on all things misophonia and how to alleviate the suffering that accompanies it. And today I thought it would be fitting to dive into my own journey. How did I eliminate my own misophonia after 20 years of suffering? And before I go into that story, I do want to do a little reminder, a little disclaimer. I do my best when I'm working with clients, when I'm recording podcasts, to adjust my voice in a way that will hopefully eliminate as many triggers as possible. And so you definitely won't hear anything like throat clearing or coughing or weird lip smacking or anything like that. If I do end up doing that, I will edit it out for you. But I am still a human being and I do still have my own way of talking and my own way of projecting. And so hopefully this podcast is as trigger free as possible. Know that I also have two cats and a dog and I don't really have any way to get away from them because my dog has separation anxiety. So I take off his collar when I'm recording. But if you hear footsteps, it's probably him walking around. Sometimes he's whiny, but if he does whine, I'll, I'll make sure to stop the podcast and then pick back up when I can calm him down. And then if you hear any meowing, again, I have two cats walking around, but like I said, I'm going to do my best to keep this as trigger-free as possible. But as you know, human beings, we make sounds, so I'm going to do my best. But with that being said, I'm super excited to dive in and start sharing about how was I able to eliminate my own misophonia after 20 years 
years of suffering. So I remember being as young as I think seven years old. As of recording this, I'm 27, 27 and a half, if you want to get technical. But I really think it started having a significant impact in my life, probably at nine. I think I have a really bad memory and so does my mom. So I can't remember all of the details. But I think nine years old is when we actually found out that like, oh, this thing that I'm experiencing, I'm not the only one. This is something that a lot of people experience, even though they may not know exactly what it is or what causes it. And that was really helpful to kind of legitimize what it is that I was going through, especially because it was taking such a toll on our family. And so at the time when my mom was doing her research, she found it as selective sound sensitivity syndrome. And then later through my own research, I uncovered misophonia, I believe is how it happened. But uh, I can remember as young as seven. And the first thing that I really remember is being triggered in the car. That's the first memory I have. So people singing to songs and hearing those really hard S sounds or T sounds, that's my first memory. And asking people to stop. And I remember I really like to sing. I still love to sing in the car now. And so because we didn't really know what it was and because it was really just like one trigger sound at the time, my family thought that I was just being hypocritical. Like they couldn't understand why I was so bothered. And I think they also thought like maybe I was just asking them to stop because they were bad singers. But of course that wasn't it at all. It was just these certain things that were bothering me. And I don't think I really knew how to put that into words at the time. I mean, when you're seven years old, you're just starting to develop that logical conscious brain. You're basically a walking subconscious mind until seven years old, right? And so I didn't really know how to put into words like, oh, it's not your singing in general. It's these certain sounds that you make when you're singing or these certain beats or things like that. And so, you know, as I got older, trigger sounds grew and grew. Eventually I couldn't, you know, eat at the table with my family. I remember that was upsetting and I just, I couldn't be around them a lot of times. I know like I would often just hide in my room or play music or be crying. And so it really wasn't until my mom figured out like, hey, this is something that is real. Like Brooklyn's not just making this up. Like they're really having a hard time. I think that's when my family realized, okay, we might need to make some adjustments or have some more empathy here. Like this isn't just someone who's sensitive to sounds. This is someone who's experiencing something a little bit deeper than that. And so it was at 15 years old is when I went to my first therapist. And this was probably one of the lowest points in my life, especially because if you have misophonia and you go or went to school, you know how difficult it is to be trapped in a classroom where, especially like high school, college is a bit different because you have more autonomy over yourself. But in high school, you can't just get up and walk out without it raising like serious concern or the teacher being like, where are you going? What are you doing? You had to have permission to leave, permission to walk the hall or go to the bathroom. And so you're literally stuck in this environment where you have no control. And so for me at 15, that was probably the lowest point of depression in my life where I seriously considered like, how am I going to live the rest of my life like this? Like, I just don't think it's going to be possible. And so for the first time, I was really vulnerable with my mom. And I told her like, I'm struggling. Like, I need help. I think I actually ended up calling my dad that night 
And then he called my mom and then she came to me and then we started talking about it. And so I ended up going to my first therapist. I saw her for a little over 10 years. And that was really the first time that I was able to speak with a professional about what I was experiencing. But of course, misophonia isn't isn't in the DSM. I apologize if I'm getting the acronym wrong. I mess it up all the time. And so because of that, instead, I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder instead of actually being labeled with, hey, this person's experiencing misophonia. Also, my therapist had not heard of, I don't, I don't believe at the time, that they had heard of misophonia. And so they didn't really know how to help me specifically with that. And so what we did is we kind of just targeted the anxiety as a whole. But really, my misophonia didn't get any better. If anything, it got significantly worse. And it peaked again in college, simply because college was a really, really stressful time for me. At one point, I didn't even think I would graduate. I did take one class toward my graduate degree and ended up dropping out because I was like, no king way can I continue to be in a classroom like this for two, three more years to get my master's. And so I ended up dropping out. But getting my bachelor's, being in college, I was taking 15 credit hours. I was working full-time in management at a car wash, and it was just too much. And so all of that stress, all of that depression, of course, was exacerbating my misophonia. And it got to the point where, you know, like, I know some people with misophonia, it's like you have, like, you physically are plugging your ears or, like, making some kind of counter sound to block out the sound that you're hearing. And so I actually had scabs like inside my ear because of how like much I was fidgeting with them and like trying to block out the noise. I had actual scabs in my ears. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was really difficult. And being in the workplace, so I ended up leaving the car wash and got my first like office job once I graduated out of college. And that job really pushed me to find something that would be a better fit for me. So essentially I was an executive and administrative assistant and I sat at the front desk and that office, there were a few people in that office who made the most like God awful throat clearing, horrible sounds. You can imagine, I won't go into it. And it would be like every couple minutes. And I remember sitting at that front desk feeling sick, like feeling anxious and just I, sometimes I'd be crying at my desk. And also they didn't like me to leave the front desk very often because then no one was watching the front or if someone came in. And so it again kind of felt like I was back in high school, like I was trapped. And that really motivated, motivated me to figure out, okay, I need to do something else. And so that's actually when I started my LLC and I started out as a virtual assistant. So essentially doing the work of an executive and administrative assistant, but doing it for online business owners. And I worked my ass off on that, let me tell you. And things picked up, things were looking really good. And it got to the point where I was gonna have to either turn away clients so that I could continue doing my full-time job, or I had to make the leap quit my full-time job in the middle of COVID and go all in with my business. 
And so I decided to take the leap and I quit. I quit my full-time job, which now meant that I was working from home full-time and didn't have to deal with all of those things that I couldn't control in the office. Now, I still had some noisy neighbors. That's a story for another time. But overall, the environment for me working from home was a lot better. And I ended up replacing my income from my full-time job. I did really well as a VA. And I promise all of this factors into how I cleared my misophonia. This is all an important backstory. And I was doing so well for myself as a VA that I had newer virtual assistants in this space asking me, hey, can you show me how to do this? And so that's when I put my coaching hat on. But I realized that, yeah, they needed help with the business fundamentals. Like, how do you get clients? How do you pitch to clients? But more than that, they were really looking for the mindset support more than anything else. And at that time, I wasn't really qualified to help them with that. Other than like sharing my own experience, I didn't have the training that I needed. And so that's when in 2021, I actually got my certifications in neurolinguistic programming, time techniques, EFT or tapping, clinical hypnotherapy, and life and success coaching. And getting those certifications, that's when I fell in love with learning about and working with the unconscious or subconscious mind. I use those interchangeably. And that changed everything for me. I ended up completely shifting from business to life coaching because I loved it that much. And I use that training not just with my clients, but also in my own life. I transformed a lot of areas in my life. I met my now fiance and I was able to build a really good relationship with him because I was actively clearing up a lot of the trauma that I had been ignoring for years. I did a lot of work around my money mindset. I also, I mean, so many areas of my life, I was night and day a totally different person. Like, Six years ago, I was incredibly depressed, incredibly anxious, just thought that I would be in debt, miserable, working jobs that I didn't like for the rest of my life. And so to go from that to being this more like optimistic, positive, genuinely happy person, it was a huge transformation. However, with misophonia, I so believed that I would have misophonia for the rest of my life, that there was nothing I could do, that I didn't even think to apply these tools to misophonia until years later, until like the end of 2022 is when I finally realized like, wait a minute, if I can reprogram all of these things, all of these patterns in my life that are keeping me stuck, if I can use these tools and techniques to reprogram these limiting beliefs, why should misophonia be any different. And it was actually, I'm not sure if you, if you all know who Catherine Zinkina is. She is a manifestation coach and teacher, and she was doing a New Year's program called Epically Aligned. And in that program, she used elements from Rapid Resolution Therapy founded by Dr. John Connolly. And it was something in that training that really sparked in me like, hold up, wait a minute. Misophonia is a pattern. It's a developed pattern just like anything else. We, like our unconscious mind hears a sound or a noise or whatever, like interprets that as danger, creates an emotion in us, disgust, anger, fear, 
to get us to take an action. And that action is to eliminate the threat. So maybe it's leaving the room, putting in earplugs, mimicking the sound, whatever it is, asking someone to stop. And then the more the cycle continues, the more we feed into this pattern. Again, through no fault of our own, we're just doing what we need to do to survive. And this is what the unconscious mind thinks that we need to do to survive. The more we feed into the pattern, the stronger it becomes. And then the more intense our reactions get because these things are getting more and more dangerous. And of course, the more trigger sounds we develop along the way too. So when it really hit me like, holy, this is a pattern. And I have broken so many other patterns in my life. Why can't I break this one too? And we reprogram things in our lives all the time. Like, for example, think about a relationship that you had with someone you really, really loved. And then you broke up for whatever reason. And then you started thinking differently of that person. Maybe you really hate this person. Maybe you don't like them. And it's probably because you got new information about them. So maybe they cheated on you, maybe they broke up with you, you know, for whatever reason, but your mind starts to reprogram the way that it views this person. And this doesn't always happen, right? Like sometimes you have really nice amical breakups, but we're talking about those messy breakups where you're like, I can't believe I was ever with that person. That's your mind reprocessing the way that it views that person. And if you can do that, then you can do the same thing with your misophonia. Does it take some effort? Yeah, it takes some effort at the conscious level to know to do the work at the unconscious level, but it can be done. And so after that training, I decided I want to learn more about rapid resolution therapy because I think this can really be the ticket to finally helping me eliminate misophonia. And so I signed up for the Understanding and Utilizing Rapid Resolution Therapy training. If you're interested in that, check out, I'll list it in the show notes. It's a really amazing training. And before that started, I got to work using the modalities that I was already certified in and using a couple of things from RRT that Catherine had used in her program. And through doing that, I was able to make significant progress before I even got into that RRT training container. And for me, using meditation, hypnotherapy, and accounting technique that's used in RRT, I was able to start eliminating trigger sounds. And the first one to go was whistling, which had been my biggest trigger sound for as long as I could remember. And I remember exactly the first time that I heard whistling and didn't feel like that rage or disgust or panic or or feeling like I needed to flee. And it was, we were touring. So I work for an executive recruiting company as well, in addition to coaching. And we were touring a nonprofit that we were recruiting for, and it was an open office layout. And so one of my coworkers, she was kind of showing me around because she used to work there. And there was this guy walking around the office whistling. And it was something that I was, of course, aware of. But again, I didn't feel disgust. I didn't start having the script that runs through my head of like, oh, this person's terrible. How do they not realize what they're doing? Don't they know that's so rude or disruptive? Like those are the things that I would normally think, right? None of that happened. Instead, it was almost like a feeling of joy of like, holy crap, I am hearing this sound that used to send me through the roof and I'm just existing in this moment and I'm okay. 
And from that point forward, whistling has never bothered me since. I'm getting emotional as I tell this story because it's so, so cool. And that's when I was like, holy, this is working. Like, this is actually working. I have tears in my eyes right now. And so then I got into the rapid resolution therapy program and I started using some of the modalities inside of that to create even more work. And I finally got to the place where I cleared up all of my trigger sounds except for one of them. And that was throat clearing and throat clearing by a very specific person. And so after I completed that RRT training, then I joined the membership so that I could work toward certification, which I'm still working toward. And I saw this members only training and essentially the members show up, you're with, you know, the founder, Dr. John Connolly, who is amazing and members who show up, they can volunteer what he calls a stuckness. So for me, it was this throat clearing and then he'll pick somebody who volunteers. He'll ask for a couple stories. He'll pick someone and then he will do a session with that person. So the members who show up, they can participate, they're getting active training and they can see a real session, right? So I was like, oh my God, this is my chance because I had been manifesting a session with John for weeks. I was like, this is it, this is it. And so I showed up, I volunteered, I got picked and he did a session with me. And after that session, I was misophonia free. And this was like, I think one of the first weekends in February misophonia free. And I remember actually going downstairs to my fiance and saying, Hey, I know this sounds really weird, but can we have like a throat clearing contest? And so we did, we went back and forth, like seeing who could like make the most ridiculous throat clearing sound. And I wasn't triggered a single time. And it was just so so cool. And the weekend after that, I've told this story on my on my socials. The weekend after that, I got to go to New York City with my mom, my sister, and my best friend. And I got to go to Kleinfeld to get my wedding dress. I got to meet Randy Finoli and say yes to one of his dresses, which was a huge dream of mine. And that weekend, I wasn't triggered a single time. And my sister even whistled like at me at my face because she wanted to in quotes, like test it out. I wasn't triggered a single time. All four of us shared a very teeny tiny hotel room with no privacy at all. And for me to be able to like live in that dream, that dream come true and be totally present and not have that moment be interrupted by something as simple as a cough or a throat clearing or gum chewing It was magical. And so being able to clear misophonia for myself because I was already in the coaching space, because I had already been working with and understanding the unconscious mind and helping people reprogram all sorts of things in their lives, I knew that, okay, I did this for myself. I now have to do this for other people. There was no way that I could create this relief for myself and then not help others. There was just no way. It's in my DNA. It is hardwired into my soul to help people. And there's a lot of that in my family. There's a lot of us who have chosen professions where we are giving back and we are helping people because it's what we're really passionate about. And so that's when I got started. And I started posting in some Facebook groups and on my social media. I said, hey, here's this free masterclass. Here's what I did. Like, I would love to work with some of you one-on-one, do some coaching sessions 
And I was really, really excited about it. And initially, I was met with some really mixed feedback. I had some people who were very skeptical, which I understand, right? Because there's not a lot of... There are some effective treatments out there for misophonia, and I never call what I do a treatment or a cure or anything like that. I'll get into that later. But because misophonia is so misunderstood, I think people were just a little bit skeptical about someone being able to completely clear it because I don't think there are a lot of people with misophonia who have experienced the freedom of eliminating it. And so I was met with some skepticism. I had some people saying, this is like sleazy marketing. You're just trying to make money. If you really cared about this, you would do everything for free. I had people who were saying that I never even had misophonia, like I was just making it all up. And it was, in all honesty, it was really discouraging. And I really struggled. I actually booked an RRT session to help with like what I was feeling, like feeling just like a fraud and feeling like, all I want to do is help people and they're like misunderstanding my intentions and it was really difficult and I actually took down everything that I posted and I went off social media for several weeks because it was just so uncomfortable for me. But the good news is that I did have some people reach out to me saying, hey, I watched your masterclass. I would love to book a session. And because they were so willing to take a chance on me and because they were some of the few who were like, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. This person might actually have, you know, something of value to offer me. I ended up doing some free sessions with them. I was like, hey, if you, you know, I want to help you out. I want to create transformation in your life. And this will also help me, right? To be able to show people like this stuff works. I know it works because I did it for myself, but now it's time to prove that it can work for other people too. And so one of the people that I met with, they started, so I had them rate their misophonia on a scale from zero to five. And one of them, they rated their misophonia at a five as severe. And after our third session, they were down to a two, a two people. That is a huge transformation. And they also let me know that now when they're triggered, they're able to talk through that situation and also realize like, yeah, I noticed that sound, but I'm I'm not triggered. I'm okay. And they also shared with me, so this was at the start of our fourth session, but they experienced this before our fourth session. They shared with me that they went to the bank and there was someone really like obnoxiously chewing gum. And normally they wouldn't be able to even look this person in the eye. Not only were they able to make eye contact, they were able to like lean in closer and accomplish what they went there to do and they weren't triggered at all. And when they were telling me this story, I had tears in my eyes on the Zoom call because I was so freaking excited for them. And also it was more evidence of like, oh my gosh, this works. Like this stuff works. It was so, 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 so exciting. And then another client I'm working with, they started at a five. They're currently at a four, so they have gone down. We've had about two sessions and we have another one coming up in a couple of days, which I'm really excited about. And so far they have reported faster recovery time after they're triggered because of the work that we've done. And also some of the trigger sounds that used to really bother them 
aren't as harsh or don't trigger them as badly anymore. And so I'm really excited to see what we continue to create, the transformation we continue fueling after a few more sessions together. And so I also want to talk about when I say I've eliminated my misophonia, what does that mean for me in my life? Does it mean that I'm never annoyed by sounds? No. Most people, people without misophonia, right? Most of us are annoyed by some sounds occasionally, every now and then. Even people without misophonia, there are things that annoy us or bother us. But what it does mean is that when I hear these sounds, they don't cause me to feel like I'm in danger. They don't cause me to feel disgust or anger or fear or anxiety. It's just something that I notice. And most of the trigger sounds that I had, and I had a huge list, as I'm sure you might too if you're listening to this, most of them I don't even notice at all. And the other ones, again, it's just an awareness. Like, hey, I noticed that but I'm okay. And so if I were to rate my sca- or rate myself on that scale of zero to five, I would probably put myself at a 0.5. So I'm not even a zero, right? But for me, I consider that being misophonia free because I don't experience any of the suffering from misophonia that I did in the past. And I would have been at a five plus very severe case to now not being, not suffering at all And to me, that's really, really badass. And one of the stories that I like to share is the other night I was out to dinner. My fiance and I were out to dinner with a friend and they were making those really loud, like lip smacking, chewing sounds that some people make. Oh my gosh. If I, if that had been me six months ago, well, actually how long? So I cleared my misunderstanding in February. It's June. Yeah. So about six, seven months ago, no fucking way. No way would I be able to sit at that table. I I would have been in tears. I would have been so uncomfortable. I would have probably been like digging my nails into my skin, texting my partner like, hey, we have to leave. I probably would have been making up excuses of why I don't like this person, even though it's really just the sounds that they're making, right? I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. But none of that happened. In the first, for maybe the first 30 seconds, again, it was something that I was aware of, like, oh, this is happening, but it didn't bother me. I was able to just sit there and enjoy dinner with this person, and then for the rest of the time, I didn't even notice it, and I was able to have a really good conversation with them, and I really enjoy this person, and I hope we have dinner with them more often, and that is something that I never would have been able to do before engaging in this unconscious reprogramming. So helping my unconscious mind reprogram the way that it defines trigger sounds. Because if your unconscious mind no longer views these sounds as a threat, then there's nothing to cope with. There's nothing to, there's nothing to cause those emotions in you because there is no danger. And that's really, really exciting because A lot of things out there now attack misophonia at the conscious level, but consciously we know that it's irrational to be triggered by certain sounds, like a whistle or a throat clearing isn't holding a knife walking up to us ready to stab us, right? There is no life-threatening danger, but because this reaction is a developed pattern, because it's happening automatically at the unconscious level, 
it overrides that conscious logic or understanding and it makes us feel like we are in fact in danger. And so that's why, yeah, doing work at the conscious level can be helpful, especially in the moment, like coping mechanisms are helpful in the moment, but long-term, it's not actually getting to the source of the issue. And that's what unconscious reprogramming does. It gets to the root, rips it out, plants a new seed. So you get to live with less triggers. You get to alleviate your suffering and just create more joy in your life. And that is what I want to help more people do. So I hope you've enjoyed my story of how I cleared my misophonia after over 20 years. Make sure you leave a review, make sure you subscribe. And if you do want to work with me, I do have limited one-on-one coaching spots. You can send me a message, send me a DM over on my Instagram, or I'll have a link in the show notes to where you can contact me. And I'm very excited. Of course, I said at the top of the episode, I have created my Rewire Misophonia at the Source group coaching program. I'm actually currently in the launch phase of the very first beta round with just five spots available. By the time this podcast comes out, I'm not sure if there will be any spots available, but we will have future rounds. So check the show notes. There will either be a link to the sales page or a link to the waitlist. So if you're interested, you can learn more all about the program. And I cannot wait to work with you. Again, thank you so much, and I will catch you in the next episode.